All right, so before we get into the vengeance factor, I do want to say something about the price. Now, do La- we have to? Yeah, I know. We had said so much about it last week. Uh, I said that it was written by a man, and in my post-recording reading, because uh, I usually check a couple things out after I record the episode, it was actually written by a woman. Oh. Uh, so I don't really have anything to say about that, other than I wanted to set the record straight, but... It is quite uh, alarming. Maybe she meant it all ironically. Like it was just this. Yeah, because it could have been like written as this wacky comedy episode where just it's like this guy keeps like, you know, trying to like follow, you know, Troy around. And she's like, dude, like she gets hitting with with frying pan and stuff. You know, it was very like hilarious. Yeah, because if there's one thing Star Trek is, it's ironic. <laughs> Listen, I've seen an episode where a cowboy yelled at a replicator and then tried to take data to a rodeo. So, I mean, I, I think that this show could have done ironic. Well, we're not there yet. Okay. So let's talk about the vengeance factor. Okay. Which is... Was an adequate episode. That's a good way to put it. It is fine. <laughs> it, 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 it is a... It is 42 minutes of... St- television about people on a spaceship 44 minutes 44 minutes at this point in the show they were 44 minutes long yeah but like wasn't a minute and a half of it credits oh yeah i guess so so it's about 42 and a half minutes look we could have a long discussion about tv show running times or we could fucking talk about the vengeance factor what would you like to do okay so in the 80s most sitcoms (laughs) are 22 minutes long you you don't even know what you're talking about they were 25 minutes long Really? Yeah. Wow. I oh thought when God. I got those Golden Girls DVD. <laughs> Listen. So I, here. I, I liked the price. Not the price. Uh, the vengeance factor. I was about to say. You're I, confused. Uh, yeah, it was fine. And I think, you know, a good way to get into this episode is probably to talk about Riker. Because Riker really likes what are, what's her name? Blondie. U- U- Utah, I think her name is. And yes, yes, yes. Because, no, Yuda. Don't do that. <laughs> Uh, because Riker is, uh, charming and Riker is obviously interested in her and interested in sleeping with her. And, uh, he's smooth as hell. He's very smooth. Uh, he doesn't come across as creepy or sexually aggressive. He comes across as confident. He comes across as a man who knows what he wants and knows how to get it. But if the woman is not interested, he will happily go away. Uh, and I think that this is exactly what my problem with, uh, Troy was in the price that, it was completely different and uh you know of course Riker is not as easily categorized as that because i think he does have his own sort of like emotions and he does have his own sort of like he does get hurt when women are not interested in him no. and he's, he's much more of a real character than troy is at this point in the show and that's kind of sad i think well i mean there's the scene when she comes to his room at night and she's oh you know the queen or whatever her name is you know said that you know i might enjoy hanging out with you and i mean he and he for a second gets i think a little upset like saying like you know i don't want you here as a servant like i think he almost worries that you know she was sent she was ordered to go you know what i mean like yeah yeah i kind of got that impression too and he very much says like you know i want you to be as an equal like he he's not interested in a woman who serves his every need you know and he's do i I'm thinking even back to this, the one where he they're on the female-dominated planet, and there's the lady puts the nice outfit on him. Angel and, one. Yes. Yeah. And he feels a little uncomfortable because, I mean, in a way, the power balance is reversed there, but he is still a submissive person on that society, and I don't think he likes that. I think he just— inj- Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that. Know, I think he Riker is want definitely— either side to be— the have the upper hand you know yeah no i think Riker is definitely the kind of person that uh enjoys confidence and enjoys the game yeah uh and also wants his his person to to also play along with him and to sort of give him some uh uh you know not hard to get necessarily but i think he likes a little bit of friction there no um again he 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 likes he likes friction he likes friction yeah he likes flirting he likes you know i i think he's one of those people who considers someone who's good at flirting almost a sign of intelligence or whatever you know a sign of confidence i mean and it's a way he can tell if the person's really into him or not 
Yeah, no, I think so. You know, which I think... And I mean, look at the way that, you know, he's obviously annoyed when he's in his quarters and he's sort of like uh, uh, something about acknowledged and then he shuts his communicator off and then his doorbell rings and he's like, oh, and then, you know, it opens and Yuta's standing there and suddenly it's like smooth Riker again. He's like, all right, I'm going to get my dick wet. Yeah. And that is a totally Riker and I love it. I mean, you know... Yeah, like because, you know, he's going to have some... Now he can relax. Like, I think he's just looking to relax and, you know, shut out everything that's sucky and yeah you know she is somebody who is not at all sucky well it's funny because i i i I think i meant well she might be uh i think i mentioned i don't know like last week or the week before that you know in this sort of watch of the next generation for me i'm sort of getting different impressions of characters that that never really you know match match up with my uh impression of, of them in the past and you know um, I'm liking Riker a lot more. Like oh, Riker yeah. never really made much of an impression on me one way or the other. Um, but seeing these episodes in order and watching them, you know, a couple a week, I think it really does show me that he's a very interesting character. Um, he's one of the more multi-layered characters on the show. Yeah. Um, and he's also a character that has, I think, hidden depths, which I think you see in this episode because. In a lot of ways, this is Riker's episode. In a lot of ways, yeah. it's not. But I think what I like about this is that he's able to figure out what exactly is going on with Utah and is able to do the hard thing. And he's, you know, Riker has always had this tension, I think, and a lot of Star Trek characters have always had this tension between um, their their sort of personal lives and and their professional lives and their duty, right? And what you see at the end of this episode, of course, is, is Riker is interested in Yuta and he finds her interesting and he finds her um, alluring even maybe. But he does still have to do Good. his duty and protect this this arrangement or, or, or this sort of peace treaty. I mean, that's right out of Measure of a Man where he's basically told to he, – he's ordered to find the uh, – um, you know, he's ordered to be the prosecution against a friend – and he doesn't want to do it, but he has to, and he does it, and he does it very well, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And this is interesting. Compare this to, you know, Worf and the Romulan, you know. That's something that's— From uh, the enemy? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is something that is going to—you know, if, if Riker ha- was in that situation— he would hate it, but he would do it absolutely because yeah. he knew he because he would know that going into Starfleet, going into the Federation means subsuming yourself to a degree to this ideal. They and again, this this show has you know usually talked about it in the context of the two body problem. Again, you know there there have been countless examples on the show of people who could not make a re- relationship work because right, right. you know their duty took them away you know because of work because they work in completely different scenarios you know we see that week after week after week and you know that's that's a tear he can't be with the woman he loves you know he's interested in because she's fucking evil but <laughs> yeah but i think you know what's interesting about that is the characters that are in Starfleet, they're the officers we see in Starfleet. Um, I don't know that I would say that they're necessarily subsuming themselves in duty. No. But more it's that Starfleet, I really think, is the embodiment of, or maybe the purest embodiment of the Federation's ideals and the Federation's yeah. morals. And so the the people that join Starfleet, obviously are okay with a little bit of danger and they're okay with being away from their families. And they, you know, and certainly yeah. I think that that's not going to change. Certain people are just not going to be into that sort of career. Yeah. And certain people are, are explorers and adventurers. There's and, plenty and want of people to do that. who are, I, and I would assume deep space nine goes into it. We're just yeah. doing administrative stuff for the Federation. Again, we've seen sure. Federation doctors. We've seen yeah. Federation just, officials i mean you know admirals sit in offices in san francisco and just kind of give orders to people so it's not like they don't have that side of it um and and again in in the real world military there are plenty of non-combatant positions yeah yeah and i think you know and i and i will connect this with the plot of the vengeance factor in a minute and it will be amazing uh i can't wait that you know they don't need to spend a lot of time at starfleet academy uh training them out of habits or training them out of beliefs that they don't necessarily no, have no. In, in a similar fashion to how like, you know, the U S military has to sort of teach people that are going to be going to Afghanistan customs and things like that. It's just that they, 
they may have to learn some customs of alien cultures, but yeah. they already respect, they already have a fundamental respect for uh, differences in life and differences in customs and all these kind of things, you know, and so they don't have to spend a lot of time explaining to them exactly why the prime directive is important. You go into Starfleet because you want to see a lot of interesting shit and you want to learn about a lot of stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, it's not the kind of, it's it's not the kind of thing you do where you're where if you're closed minded. It's just, well, exactly yeah, right because yeah, it's <laughs> that that's all it is. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, and I think how this connects to the vengeance factor is that if you look at the way the episode starts, where they beam down an away team to this research station, which unfortunately the the, the people there have been have been killed by these sort of marauding pirates called gatherers. Um, that. That, you know, the, the the idea that Picard immediately has is we need to go to Akamar and we need to figure this out, right? Yeah. And uh, he decides that the way that he's going to fix it is not to, like, hunt them down because, of course, that I think that's what the um, yeah, the she, chancellor says or whatever her name is, the, the council. I don't know what her name is. The prime minister. The prime minister, yeah. That, that you know, Picard's like, no, we're not going to hunt them down. We're, we're going to solve your problem for yeah. you. We are going to like, have a peace treaty. This uh, is, yeah, he this says is it, now, it's probably time. Yeah, like this is now affecting the Federation. Like we have this, you know, and I think the, the, the implicit implication here, which is redundant, Good but whatever, you. is that... The Federation is very hands-off. They don't get involved in internal affairs. They have the prime directive. If yeah. if the Yakamarians wanted help with the gatherers from the Federation, I think the Federation would be happy to help, yeah. but I don't think that the Yakamarians ever asked. And once it affects the Federation, they say, okay, we need to fix this problem, but how are we going to fix it? Well, we're not going to fix it by a military solution. Yeah, and that's a, gonna... initially what she started. She immediately... When she realizes that the Federation wants to help, I mean, she thinks that that's what they're offering. And she immediately said, we'd love, you know, we'd love you to help them out. We're trying to, you know, work on that. And, you know, I like his when she says, you know, we've tried, you know, don't you think we've tried to negotiate with them, you know? And, you know, he does, you know, he basically said, you know, yeah, well, the Federation never did it. And worst case scenario is we lose a week of our lot, you know, of time. Right. You know, that, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and I, I think that's. You know that I do like that. Sh- I do like that all of the characters who are involved in these negotiations do readily agree to at least tearing this out. And you know, Picard does point that out several times. Like, look, he's he may not be agreeing, but he's talking to you. You know, he's he's invested enough to disagree and continue to disagree. Yeah. So I mean, you at least have a that's something you know he's trying to find the initial point where you can keep talking you know yeah and i think we see we see picard as as sort of a master negotiator in this episode yeah. because he's very good at deflecting tension he's very good at sort of um distracting them while he 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 slips the knife in yeah and like both both parties neither of them are used to being contradicted or right. and both of them have absolute power you know i love that line that she says you know when he's saying well what if picard you know forced you and she says like nobody forces me to do anything and it's like yeah she's she's the fucking queen like you know what she you know so that picard can does slap both of them down several times you know when they're yeah getting a little too much you know and you know they both say like no you're right being a little too heated here or you know that was i'm sorry i didn't mean to lose my temper you know I like that, you know. That yeah, there's that there's that one great moment where you know uh, uh, I looked it up. I referred in my note, a sovereign, sovereign. Okay, yeah, uh, uh, Maruk. Maruk. <laughs> I love these names. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, that she's yelling and she's yeah. very upset and she's standing up and she's eating. When he's talking about the seats on the council or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, she, I don't think she's shaking her fist, but she may as well be and, and, and throwing her shoe on the table. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's Khrushchev basically. And, uh, you know, Picard kind of goes, okay, let's take a step back. Let's just yeah. have some brandy. And they're like, oh, we can't agree to anything. And Picard says, well, you agreed to have some yeah. brandy together. <laughs> well, remember the, and was, it was loud as a whisper when he was that the one when he's saying that, um, no, where was the one, the negotiator who's saying like, you know, you have to find that one thing that they have in common. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, um, yeah, I, I think it will, maybe it was loud as a whisper. Okay. Uh, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's a if thing it, that if it wasn't loud as a whisper and you know what it was, just let us know. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things that the show says, like, eventually there can be a common ground between people and you need to. 
you need you need to find realize that you both really liked that movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, and that's going to be the one thing you got. You know, like yeah, that's, yeah. Um, well, that's I mean, and, and, and I think and I think the thing that Picard also makes it clear in this is that you know both sides are assuming the worst of each other in a way. Uh, the Maruk keeps under, th- thinking, well, they want to take more power than they they deserve, you know. And, you know, the, the gatherers are thinking, well, they just want to slap us down and enslave us. And Picard is saying, like, no, look, like, you know, Maruk wants you back because, you know, she doesn't, you know, you're, you're – you're this is you're not living right like you know you right, can you right. have a home she's offering that and you know she doesn't want you know she wants to give you the same thing as everybody else has you know she doesn't want to at the same time you know these people do feel very disenfranchised and they do want to make sure that they are given that i think they picard's there to make sure that they both realize that they need to be fair to each other and i like that both sides do yeah and i think there's a fundamental sadness there because you know the the whole setup for this episode is that there were these sort of clan wars yeah. uh a hundred years ago and it's never really clear exactly how long this race lives or anything but at least one of them was alive then um and, oh and w- well we we have to talk about that well we will but uh, and so the, there's sort of this 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 sadness in the episode, which is that the gatherers probably didn't want to leave, but yeah. they left not because they wanted to live as you know space pirates and, and have shitty lives. They left because they were being hunted. Yeah, we and, assume that there. We assume that whatever clan I mean, took took power, right? I I mean, mean, one of the clans took power. That's 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 it. She belonged to a clan. And and Maruk makes a point of saying, I think at least twice that you know, no, the clan wars are over. You know, we're all one society now. And I think and, it's, and I like that when they look at the records, they don't have the clan affiliation in there. Like, yeah. And that, you know, that. That's one of the ways it, that the Akamarians are, are obviously trying to heal these. And, yeah, and it provides a these. small problem for the characters, you know, to solve the mystery. But yeah, like they, they, they aren't even tracking that right now because that's, 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 because that's old. That's not, that's not good anymore. That's not healthy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what's what's most interesting about this episode, though, is there's a conversation that Riker and Yuta have, I think, about halfway in the episode. And, you know, Yuta is obviously very um, servile to the sovereign. And it's never really clear if she's I don't think she's supposed to be a slave or anything. No, and she says, I'm not a slave. I can, you know, we assume that she's being, if not explicitly paid then at least she has you know she's fed and clothed and all of you know but what i think I what i think is interesting about this is that you know of course later on when yuta is revealed to be a member of this clan and the only one of the only surviving members of this clan and she's trying to get this vengeance on the uh clan members that that massacred her clan members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh you know this is the whole thing about going back how far do you go back etc cetera, etc cetera, um which star trek does a lot uh, that uh, she says something about you know being a servant and being you know in servitude. I think she says, and you know one of the other sad things about this this whole situation is that uh, Yuta is a servant and she is sort of, but she's not a servant. She's literally a servant because she's the servant to yeah. the sovereign. She's also a servant. She's also in servitude to her own uh, clan and her own vengeance and her inability to get past this and her inability to uh to heal and forgive in a, in a in a similar way to how the gatherers mm. they say oh well why would we want to go back we have all this freedom but yeah they don't actually have any freedom they're 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 servants as well they're in servitude they 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 have to travel yeah, and, they and, and eat, they're gleaners you know exactly they, they, yeah they, you got a shitty existence you know and and they're the last two remnants of this society that are still in servitude in effect and you know and it's interesting. She's in servitude to the to the sovereign, but again, she makes it clear. You know, she treats me very well, and you know, you get the seeing, you know, her. Re, you know, seeing the sovereign's reactions to all of this at the end, you can tell she genuinely does care for this woman. You know, I think this is a. I, she, yes, she's she's a servant of the sovereign, but I think she has a very close relationship with you know all of that. Yeah, right. Um, she's in slavery to this vengeance. She That's is, what yeah. she because I do believe if she fe- if Riker and she got, decided to get married and she wanted to join the Federation, 
she would go with the sovereign's tears and blessing. You know, the the sovereign sends her to Riker's right. cabin. You know, when she's done for the day, because you know, all right, ha- go go have a good time. You, you know? guys are making googly eyes at each yeah, other. Yeah, you know that. that go you, have some fun. You yeah. know, you can tell that's exactly what she's thinking. You know, and she's happy. You know, you can tell she's happy about that. You know. Um, and I also think there's a degree to which, you know, the character of Yuta is is supposed to be uh, a conflicted character as well, because yeah. she's obviously supposed to be a person who is not a great person. She she kills somebody and she's trying to kill this other person with this virus and everything. Um, yeah. But at the same time, we see some good in her because she does like Riker. And I think Riker is a pretty good judge of character. Uh, yeah. And it's it's more it's more that she's a victim of circumstance than anything else, and she's a victim of of sort of this, this maybe not brainwashing. I but mean, he gives her the opportunity, even when she's like he stuns her a couple of times. And I think if at that point she had sat down and said like, "All right, I'm done," like the gatherers would not press charges, the sovereign right. would not press charges. Like they would say, "Like, look, this is this ends here, this ends now," you know, and. Like that was that door was open to her until the third time she yeah and you can tell that she realizes this as she's doing that. Here's the thing. So, but she's supposed to be dead and that resurrected, and I was the chosen. And what the fuck was all of that? No, she was just uh, yeah. She was she was alive then. Yeah, and and she said they she said that she was killed in that final. They talk about a specific. No, 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 no. They didn't say that. You misunderstood that. I didn't get that at all. She was they... she was one of the only survivors of that. But they and they... she's the same age fifty three years later. Yeah, they they. She said explicitly that she was like genetically modified or something to slow her aging. I didn't get what that. Okay, were I you like? Get... I was just really were you beating my part? head against the wall. No. Yeah, yeah. At the very end of the episode, that's what she says. And so I misunderstood that. She's actually supposed to be the person that was alive then. She just is is she's aging very, very slowly. Okay. I got and the, the implication being that when she completes her mission or whatever, she'll die eventually. Okay. I, I got Yeah, it. and it's fine. I mean it's a sci fi twist. Yeah, what, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know. I didn't understand that and I thought that like I thought, what they were going to do was, you know, oh, that was my mother, and you know, oh, no, like, or no, one no. of those kind of things, you know. Um, it's one of the sci-fi twists that they just had to put in the episode because otherwise we wouldn't know it's Star Trek. I guess I don't know. It was fine without it, but all right, okay, okay, I get that now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they make it seem like I, I, and I also, this episode, yeah, it's it's interesting because the episode goes between. At some point, you really do need to let this vengeance just. Go. The gatherers let the vengeance go. Maruk lets the vengeance go. It's all about amnesty. It is. It is. It's all about amnesty. And I think it's this kind of. Uh, I think the gatherers and and uh, the sovereign are, are more alike than they want to admit. Then I think that's the, definitely a, a subcurrent here. I think Picard even says that at one yeah. point. Yeah. And I and I also I like the gatherers. <laughs> like I like I, both of them. I, or, you know, originally they're sort of you know these castoffs from from Mad Max or something, but. Uh, they're they're very charming. They obviously have a lot of bravado, and they're covering up, and they're you know they're trying to be this. They they live a very hard life, and yeah, you know originally they're they're usually like oh I don't like these people, but I do like them. They're just no. they're just people that were in a shitty situation and made the best of it. They're and scavengers, yeah. Now they are just you know they're kind of like a puppy that you kick a lot. And suddenly you're like, no, come back. I, I want you to come home. Puppy. Yeah. And the puppy is not going to necessarily want to do that. They don't at all trust the sovereign. And I think they and, and they, you know, everyone recognizes that neither side really trusts each other in a way, you know, and they again, the Maruk has just enough to fear by the gatherers having too much power now that they're back in the society. Yeah. Just as they have the genuine fear that they're going to be treated really shittily when they're get you know they don't want to be if they're going to if they want to accept this offer that offer needs to be genuinely better than what it is now they working as the slaves for their former society is worse because at least you know better to reign in hell than serve right. in heaven you know right now they're reigning in hell this is you know th- her offer that you know they they get offended at the offer at land at, well at, you know I, I think I think the offer details are sort of incidental and yeah, I think but they'll, still. they'll I think they'll work that out of course I think the big picture here is that you know at the end of the day Utah was the one that was trying to 
not bring back the, the the clan wars, but but trying to to serve her own you know agenda basically. Um, I think at the end of the day, by her death, she's the one who is going to show the gatherers and Sovereign Maruk that they really do yeah. need to come together and they do need to heal this rift. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the way that they're going to do it. So I don't think that Yuta dies in vain. And I also no. think that she would not be happy at the outcome. And I think that's probably <laughs> the saddest part of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I like this one. I'll give it a, I'll give it a six, six gatherers. Okay. What was the dish that she made? Oh yeah, it looked good. I don't remember the name of it. It was but a green. It was like a green, green spice, what, what, green fleshy root vegetable. Sure. Uh, in a spice. It's like zucchini. I I was actually picturing like Ethiopian food. That yeah, could be that too. Yeah. Would you like to rate this episode? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll rate it uh, seven fleshy root vegetables. Okay. Well, let's go have some root vegetables. Okay. But before we do that, we have to talk about the defector. This is a good episode. Yeah, and I didn't think it would be from the beginning. I think this is probably the second or third best episode of the whole fran- uh, the whole series so far. Okay, I would not disagree with that. Yeah, I liked this one quite a bit. I think mostly because it went in some different directions that I wasn't expecting. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I, I know where this was going because I've seen it before. But, you know, watching it, you kind of get this impression that it's going to go in a different direction than what you were going to expect. And... It also was just kind of set up very well, and all of the disparate plots came together at the end in a nice way. And it also had an air of sort of this this fatalism to it, which I think is is an interesting choice for for this series in general. Oh yeah, that it ends with essentially this guest character committing suicide because he's totally failed. Yeah, that's a very dark ending to this. Um, now, what what did you think? I mean, because obviously I've seen this episode before. Yeah. So what, I mean, did you think it was as strong as, as that? Or? I liked it because they, through this episode, there is the central mystery of whether this character is essentially, is he lying? Is this, you know, threat just bullshit that's used to get the federal, you know, to get the Enterprise into a trap? Or is he telling the truth and are the Romulans really preparing to attack? And... They managed to get it both ways in a way which kind of takes it the cruelest. Like, they are essentially using this guy who has felt, you know, in a way that the Romulan Empire feels is incorrect. They're using him as a pretext for war. So essentially, if there's a war, it's going to be on his head. And he is he is a traitor to his—he he has been branded a traitor for the wrong reason, but he is still betraying his empire. It's—I don't know. It was a very cruel ending in a way which— Really, this ending had to be very cruel in order to make the point it was trying to make. Yeah, and I think I think what's you know I don't think you're wrong, but I think there's another level to a level to this, which is that the Romulans, as we've seen them in the original series and in the Next Generation, have always been portrayed as a uh, a species that is very uh, cunning and that likes these yeah. these sort of machinations, right? And so, yeah, certainly this could have started a war and. We've seen evidence in this episode that it could have started a war because yeah, the Federation if, was taking this intelligence very seriously and did cross into the neutral zone. If it wasn't Picard, if it was someone like Picard minus one, it might have started a war. Sure. Um, but I think the other thing you have to kind of – and maybe the layer below this is that I think it's a really interesting look at the way Romulans – you know, their own society works because they essentially were feeding one of their – admirals you know faulty intelligence about the fact that they were making a military buildup you know along the neutral zone in order to find out if he was a traitor and And that's 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 quite the game here's the other thing because think about that like they were willing to go to war just to find out if this one guy would possibly oh, I'm betray them. Oh, I'm actually seeing it differently. I see the Romulans as kind of wanting to go to war and using this as the excuse. In other words, if a war started in this way, it would have started in a way which got the Romulans off completely clean. Yeah, but where do you Because get... they completely disavowed this guy as a traitor, and he, this traitor— provoked the Federation into an attack of aggression, and well, the Romulans had to defend themselves. I, I think there's a degree to which that—I that, that I, I can see that interpretation of this episode, but 
I don't think that that's borne out by what the Romulans have done in previous episodes of this show. Because if you look at something like The Enemy, for example, which just happened to, you know a couple yeah. of weeks ago, uh, Tomalak was certainly not interested in going to war. They they went out of their way to uh, diffuse the situation. Um, if you look at something like the episode from the second season, for example, I don't think they were ready to go to war either. I think the Romulans are a species that we've seen so far in this show that don't like the Federation, certainly, mm. and don't like Klingons and, and probably don't like many other species. But And they're very distrustful and they're very suspicious of them, but they don't seem like they want to go to war. This is, These are not the actions of a, of, a, of, a, of a country that want to go to war, I don't think. And... Because if the Romulans wanted to go to war, they could just go to war. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, reason yeah. for them to do all this stuff. Now, you know, Data does make the point in the episode that this is how the Romulans generally work. They don't attack first, et cetera, I mean, et cetera. But they've had a lot of opportunities to use these sort of diplomatic incidences in a way to start a war. And they haven't done it so far. So I don't know why they would choose this one. I don't know. It's interesting because I see the way that um, his interaction with Jakar at the end. Um, they are... At the end of the episode, Picard and Jakar basically... You might need to explain that. <laughs> to to our, our audience? Um, you know, some people out there may have never seen Babylon 5, and I would not... Uh, all three of them. I would not disabuse them of that notion. <laughs> um, what is the guy's real name? Andres Katsoulis. No, no, no. The, his sorry, his not his not his not not his not his human name. His his Romulan name. His real Star Trek name. Yes, Tomalak. Tomalak. Okay, that is oh. Anyway, um, he. I you see, don't know. You seem surprised. Is he your neighbor or I something? I thought that was something else. I thought when you referred to Tomalak, you were talking about somebody else. Is he the, is he the guy that runs your local bodega? Like, yeah, what? actually. Oh, okay. Um, he, I got credit from him. Ahmed Tomalak? Yeah. Okay. Um, nice guy. Always wearing a beanie. Um, the way he is with Picard at the end, where they're all just. He and Picard at the very end of this episode are just kind of trying to see who has the upper hand on this. And when finally Picard, you know does legitimately trump the Romulans, the way he reacts, like, I- I'll look forward to our next meeting, it seems he kind of enjoys the game. I get the sense Romulans do enjoy the game. Maybe they don't want to go into war. Like, the the, the 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 business end of war maybe is distasteful to them, the actual killing, actual violence. I think when he's losing the ship in the other, epi- in the other episode we saw the other week, um, he's genuinely distressed at the thought that he's lost a, he's lost one of his, you know, officers. And I think that he, well, I think Romulans tend to like the idea of war and they like the planning and they like the strategy. They like being spies. No, I think that's right. And I think that's a good reading of, good of, 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 of the Romulan culture. What what I think is is more indicative in this episode of you know the fact that they don't want to go to war again is that they very easily just could, yeah. and you know I think you're right. I think Romulans don't necessarily enjoy the the dirtiness of war, and they don't necessarily enjoy actually waging a war, but they kind of enjoy this kind of thing because, in effect, it's a very high stakes uh, chess match. Yeah. Right? Yes, and, and I and, think they Riker doesn't Riker is it Riker who says that yeah, yeah this is chess. I like the and yeah, that's I think. Maybe. Well, you know, the very end of the episode I think is indicative of that because, yeah. you know, Picard is able to to checkmate Tomalak basically. I mean, if you know, if you want to take this chess analogy out to its logical conclusion, you know, because and and what what did you think of that? You know, the the sudden appearance of the Klingons did that work for you? Because Tomalak certainly seemed. I don't think he was surprised necessarily, but I think he was sort of quietly impressed that Picard was able to pull that maneuver off. Yeah. Um, he Maybe they didn't want necessarily war, but I mean, you, everybody wants the Enterprise and everybody would like to have a few Yeah, but no, don't, go, don't, don't. No, no, no. This isn't. No, then th- that that is that is earned by that because, yeah, he's maybe it is. It is about checking each other, really. They want to checkmate the Federation and maybe war is kind of their queen in this case. Like. They're using war as their most powerful piece. Like we, maybe the fact that the Romulans could easily have gone to war so many times and don't, but they always hold that as their threat. This is a culture that is prepared to go to war, and it's going to use war as a trump card. Uh, Picard is just saying, "All right, but our trump card is a Klingon ship with guns trained to you, and you know your move." And all right, well, war really can't beat that because this is the here and now. So. 
you know, I, I maybe I get I get the sense that Romulans are really good at strategy and not necessarily good at tactics. That sounds very because right. yeah. they seem to be playing some sort of long game here, and and what it is, I don't know. And uh, you know, if you go back to their first appearance in in, in the next yeah. generation in in the neutral zone, for example, you know, we, we've talked about this before, where they say, "Look, we're back." You know, um, why they came back, we don't know. And from from everything that we've seen so far, it just seems to be. We just want to fuck shit up for you. Yeah, they're doing machinations uh, they because have, they like machinations, and they just have some need to do something. It, you, you almost know? you almost get the sense that like something was going on, right? Like they had something else, yeah, some other problems to attend to with another, you know, alien uh, empire yeah. or something, and then that was taken care of. However, that was taken care of, and now they're kind of going back and saying, okay, well, the Federation were always our, you know, yeah, our fun adversaries. <laughs> so now we're going to go back and, and let's and, let's, and let's relax by fucking with the Federation. Yeah, yeah, and you know maybe. That's that's just how they do it. Maybe this is their their hot tub in a way. You know, like they're not really taking this all that seriously. I, I mean, think. yeah, maybe it is in a way a tactical exercise. Like they have, you know, he has to capture a federation ship to get a promotion or something like that, and that's just kind of like. And he's decided he wants to do the Enterprise because you know, if you're gonna capture a federation ship, you might as well get the sexiest one. That you know, it almost seems like they just have this like arbitrary like thing he needs he's getting a merit badge but what what do you make of of gerard's speech to picard right because he talks about how when you know he asked picard do you have any children picard said you know he tries to yeah throw away the question basically because he's not comfortable with with that question um and i think you know we get the sense that picard is a man who uh perhaps is a little bit sad that he didn't have that part of his life um but you know you you start to go down this road of you know gerard is a man who was a good romulan soldier who who was always preparing for war who was always ready to go to war and then he had a daughter and suddenly he realized that he wanted a better world for his children now in a sense that's a little pat and a little rote but on the other hand of course that that does happen oh yeah and so you know on the one hand we've been talking for for a few minutes about how the romulans enjoy the strategy and enjoy kind of the game and, and probably don't enjoy the war part but then we have gerard saying well the romulan high command does want you know is interested in always preparing for war this this may be sort of a you know sort of a soviet situation where they were propping up they're propping up their economy with with the military basically you know we don't know but this is kind of something that you can infer from from what gerard is saying and that gerard is 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 a man who realizes that that is not a a prosperous way for the future no. to go and it's not good for for the children of romulus let's say yeah so so i think there is some hope there right that that makes no i think that sounds about right i don't know i mean because yeah in the, the situation doesn't end in a war but as i just said you know if it wasn't this particular crew who we you know see time and time again are just that awesome you know it could have led to a war where people would have been killed and you know people Maybe not he would have been killed, but other people would have lost fathers. You know, that would have... But but do you think there's hope for the Romulans, though? Because I think Gerard's actions show that there probably are hope for the Romulans. Yeah, but at the same time, it's going to be a very long road because he has these feelings and he's branded a traitor and put through this. I mean, they, that this... We don't know to what degree his views are aberrant, you know? Yeah, that's true. He may... He may the, the rest of the Romulans may see war and the stratagem as a way of ensuring the Romulan way of life in a way which is going to protect their children better. Maybe they genuinely, you know, view this as, you know, maybe they have a cultural reason for needing to be more like like this. I don't know. Yeah, that could be. And yeah. and, and frankly, I think we, we, we don't know enough about the Romulans to, to sort of make those judgments yet. No, the show is very much against war, certainly. And I think the show would agree that the Romulans are considered villains of the series because they do have this warlike way of life but at the same time i don't think they're they're never seen as i don't think they're seen as evil they're not the romulans are i mean both i think number one i love loved both romulan characters in this episode yeah they're very interesting characters they're very well-drawn characters and 
you know, they're, they're sympathetic characters. Too. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but I don't necessarily think that Star Trek is a, is a, is a, a creative work that believes in good and evil necessarily. No. And, and I think it's making that clear. Yeah. Or, or maybe it believes in good, but not evil. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just that, that, that good people can be misguided, but that's not evil. That's just, they need to be corrected or whatever. Yeah. Um, in, in the same way that you need to discipline children. Um, well, you know, Skin and, of Evil was one which, you know, as terrible as that episode was, does... Well, I think when, when Star Trek does go down the road of, yes, there is unmitigated evil, I think it, it, it it's very uncomfortable with that idea and it doesn't do it very well. And I think even Skin of Evil tried to say that evil was a choice to be and stay evil rather than a... Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. They, they... The, 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 the state of being, you know, the, the sort of general state of being is to be good and then you have to make a, a, a choice to become evil. Yeah, the, the creature for um, most of the episode is seen as redeemable. And so, you know, and the Romulans aren't even half as evil as that you know they're just they're seen as people trying to get by in some ways yeah i think that's true you know and i and i think also you know you kind of see that with with the linkage between uh uh uh, shakespeare in the very beginning of the episode where of course it's a little again it's a little heavy-handed it's it's um talking about how uh you know the king can't you know goes in his in his subjects um uh, 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 in disguise, and of course, this is kind of tied with Jirak pretending to be this this kind of functionary. Yeah, and then suddenly, okay, yeah, but it's interesting how this talks about how Picard's isolation goes kind of both ways. We've seen a lot of characters talking about how they feel uncomfortable around Picard. Like Wesley feels, you know, in that episode, he has a difficult time talking to him, and really, uh, yeah, you know, Doctor Crusher is probably the only person we've seen who's been. Unreservedly, unreservedly able to talk to Picard. Probably, probably uh, uh, um, Troy as well, because she does see that vulnerable side of them him that often. But you know, most of the characters do have a little bit of difficulty connecting to him because he is the captain. And meanwhile, he's saying he feel he he notices that he feels like his he isn't allowed to be weak around his people, and they can't show their weaknesses to him because he is the captain and. They want to be on their best behavior to him. He kind of recognizes that they're putting on a that duty mask in a way. Yeah, and I think I don't know that Picard necessarily has a problem with that though. Like that that just seems to be his style of command. And I think in this episode he he mentions he's a little as, sad about it, but at the same time he realizes that that's kind of the way that he's decided to be the captain. I think that's it. I think he, it, it, it's the kind of thing where he. Would not, I doubt he would do anything differently. I think if he wanted to change, he would damn well be able to change. I think he has recognized that recognized that it's his leadership style. It's kind right. of more advantages. At the same time, I think it's I think it's important that he recognizes what exactly he gave up because you also have um, Drac act you know admitting what he gave up for this. Whether his cause was misguided or not, and it turned out to be misguided. He had the right reasons, and he knows what he gave up for that. He knows that this was so important that I had to give up my daughter. I had to give up my family because this is bigger than that. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think to your point, you know, in the same way that Picard realizes that 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 he really can't uh, know what his crew is feeling because he is the captain, yeah. and whenever they see him coming, they straighten up and you yeah, know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's he's kind of isolated from his crew in that sense. Uh, Gerard is isolated from Romulan society at this point, and, yeah. and and he kind of knows that, and he knows that he can't go back. And so when he does make that decision to commit suicide at the end of the episode, um, it's certainly I think a, a, a bittersweet ending. Yeah. But but I don't know that if he had come out of that alive, that that would have been a believable well, or or a satisfying ending. It, it's the thing where it's sad because personally we like him. Yes. At the same time, he, it, it, you know, and, you know, Picard all but admits that, you know, if this information is invalid, you have no value to the Federation and you're a prisoner because, you know, that's the thing. He is an enemy commander. They can't just trust him and offer him asylum because, you know, especially with the Romulans, because they do have so many long games. I mean, yeah. And I mean, put it, you know, put it to you this way, too. He doesn't belong in either world. If, if he is a prisoner of the Federation, it's certainly not going to be a bad life. No. I mean, he's not going to be mistreated and he's going to be fed and treated well, but it's, he'll probably be given leeway to do whatever research he wants. Yeah, sure. But he's still going to be a prisoner. That's it. I'm curious to get your thoughts on some of the continuity aspects of this episode, because you're starting to see the show 
weave in some prior mentions of prior events yeah. and you're also starting to see them become more comfortable doing that and some recurring characters even again that we have the same Romulan commander is nice because I don't know it's nice to have a he, I, I assume he's never becomes a major villain in the franchise but not really but it's, it's fun to have a minor villain that recurs every so often because you know I like that they have a relationship, and again, it's kind of funny in a way that he keeps trying to go after Picard. Like, you can see that's his ambition. Well, it's kind of like you can kind of see the Romulan version of this show. Yeah. You know, if this was like, you know, Star Trek Romulus. That This, you know, Tomalock would be the Picard. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, So it's yeah. kind of like the same way that Picard's always flying around doing shit, like Tomalock's always flying around doing shit, too. Yeah. Um, and I think the other, you know, the, the more serious aspect of the continuity, I think, is is when uh, uh, Gerard is in sickbay getting checked out by Dr. Crusher and, yeah. and, and Worf is there kind of keeping guard on him. And, uh, you know, they're talking about the events of the enemy. And then, uh, you know, Worf, Crusher gives Worf this, like, brief, disgusted look. Oh, because, I didn't know even catch oh, you that. Oh, you didn't catch that? Oh, I yeah. caught the moment when, you know, she said, like, I had a Romulan, you know, in my sick bay recently, and, you know, that's kind of how I know about, it's, you know, this I've, I've, I've had experience recently. Okay. It, it's extremely subtle, and I don't even know if it was in the script. It may have just been an acting choice that, that Gates McFadden made. Oh, wow. But, yeah, she, she shoots Worf this kind of, like, sad, disgusted look for a brief second. And... Is kind of like, you know, you don't need to see the enemy to get that. Uh, and it's something that you can very easily overlook and the, the episode will still work for you as, as you overlooked it and the episode still worked for you. But I'm liking that the show is able to sort of weave those things in there. And it makes the show feel a bit more like it's taking place in a, in a, in a live world. You, you know, it's funny because if, if Worf had given the blood and had saved that Romulan in the enemy, this episode probably would have been a very different episode because Tomalak would have had a very different relationship to the crew of the Enterprise. This would have been the Enterprise and Tomalak would have been not exactly allies, but he would have known that he had done him a solid. And I mean, frankly, if Picard and Tomalak had had that relationship, I feel like he would have given Tomalak a call and said, Look, you owe me. This is what's happening. Yeah, there might have been a little more trust involved there. Yeah. And and I think that that's maybe what the, you know, this you can kind of see this as the as the sequel to the enemy in some respects yeah. because you're right. If 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 the events of the enemy had gone a little differently, I think Tomalock would have been a little more receptive, would have been a little more believable, would have would have been a little more credulous about what was going on and, you know, perhaps Picard wouldn't have had to have that checkmate move at the very end with the Romulan with the with the Klingons. Well, I mean, this is definitely a, 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 a um one of the main themes of the show is that these conflicts between groups, whatever these two groups are, whether it's you know nationalist or ra- racist or whatever, are based on a thousand different resentments just happening and piling up, and people unable to let things go and move forward. I mean, again. Worf is has a legitimate reason to hate the Romulans, but he by not accepting that okay, that was this time, and I need to in a way be the better man right here. Uh, that continues. You can see everyone in the Federation making that kind of a choice or dealing with that kind of a thing, and that's why the Federation and, the, and everyone in the Romulan Empire making that same basic thing and that's why the federation and the romulans are a thing and that's kind of interesting because i think you know what 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 you really get out of this episode is there's this um sense of impending doom that yeah. kind of flows in the undercurrent of the entire episode because yeah, yeah, yeah. you get the sense that there's a lot of really important choices that are being made or about to be made throughout this episode yeah. and of course you know picard keeps saying look we may go to war we may go to war this may cause a war riker's running around saying we may you know this may cause a war Gerard yeah. is tom because everybody they're all acting knowing that their every move is i mean he tells data at one point like you need to be paying attention to everything because history is going to judge us yeah like he makes that point about you know data keeping a uh uh what does he say like a log like like an impartial log of the events because this may be a really important historical record in in 500 years or whatever that agrees that i mean that's not because picard wants his glory and what you know because Picard thinks he might very well fuck up, and I think he wants the record to show that 
I didn't make the right. Ch- I didn't make the wrong choice in bad faith. Like if I messed yeah. up, it's because you know you're judging me with the hindsight of 2020, and you know years in the future. This is why I made this decision that I did, and I don't. You know, Picard has had the, they've the characters have all had these moments, knowing that they are measure of a man. It keeps going full. You know, they keep harping on that point in that episode, saying you know this is whatever we do. People are going to look at this, and this is going to be very important, and we, we're we on stage right here in a way. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think also it's not only that Picard is afraid that he's going to make the wrong decision, but that Picard is afraid that, that the Federation is being reactive. Because you, what you see is you know, one of the nice little moments in, in the episode, the sort of motif that goes throughout the episode, is Picard getting these messages from Starfleet Command and the yeah. Admiral, and the Admiral sort of like... I mean, the Admiral, in a way, is sort of punting back to Picard because his messages basically are like, you're the one who's there. (laughs) You're the one who's there. You kind of know what's going on more than we do. So use your best judgment. And it's kind of like, that's kind of shitty in a way. Um, Certainly, I don't think that the Romulans would act that way. Do you think Tomalak has a lot of leeway? I don't think so. Mm. Um, it, It doesn't seem like the Romulans are set up for that kind of thing. And what I find more interesting about that is that, you know, it's visually... Uh, impacted or it's visually underlined because you kind of get the two running time clocks at the at the bottom of the messages where it's like a three hour delay for some yeah. reason and so it's even you know the federation is basically saying look you are on your own we don't know what's going on and to the point where not only that not, they're they're working from incomplete information yeah. but they're also working from outdated information and the audience knows that because the audience is aware yeah. that you know, all the messages that Picard are seeing are hours in old in a way star you know starfleet the federation they can't do anything because yeah because there is this such this delay Picard really is the only one who they can't advise during that confrontation at the end for example because you know everything's happening at a you know seconds are counting at that point um so yeah, it really does have to be in Picard's corner. Yeah, and I think the Romulans kind of maybe give Tomalak a little more leeway because they think they have the upper hand in it. In a sense, I don't know. Like this is their game. Well, I think the, I think the Picard Romulans plays it wonderfully. Yeah, well, but I, this is the Romulans' game. I think the Romulans always expect to win, and I think when they don't win, they're surprised, and they also prepare a lot harder the next time. That's it. You don't see. They, they're not the sore losers. Yeah, the Romulans are not afraid of failing in no. that way. Like, I, I think that's very interesting because Tomalak doesn't seem like even at all worried that he's lost. Like, he's Romulan High Command is not going to, you know, chew him out or anything like that. He seems very sa- – again, he seems satisfied and, you know, he had a great time. And he's going to, you know, yeah. next time, yeah. Picard, all right, you know, I'm going to come up with an even better strategy. Just you – like – He's looking forward to that sense of strategy because, again, they – anyone who likes strategies that much because what have the Romulans lost? A little bit of face? Oh, no. You know? That's and okay. Ha- that's, and have they really lost face? That's I mean, a, yeah, that's okay. You do, know? do you think that the Romulans are the kind of empire that are going to have a free press? They're, gonna, they're not going to yeah. know what the hell's going on out here. At that point, all they've done is route – they've routed a traitor. So no matter what they w- – you know, in a way, getting the Enterprise would have just been kind of the cherry on top. They routed a traitor, and that's really what their mission was. Yeah. Anything else they got would have been a nice little bonus. And all right, I didn't get that bonus. Well, okay. Now I know a little bit more about what the Enterprise is capable of, and having had another encounter with Picard, I know a little more about what Picard is capable of, and all right, back to the drawing board. And we know a little more about what TNG is in the third season is capable of. Yeah. So I'm going to give this one 10 Romulan scout ships. I, I am giving this nine orange suicide ships. All right. Well, next week we are talking about... Two more The episodes, The Hunted and The High Ground. And eventually we will have The End. We will. We'll talk to you then.